Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name is Joe Kuzma. I am flying solo here ahead of Super Bowl Sunday, but just behind the NFL honors, which aired on Thursday night. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm here. Of course, uh, if you missed our episode earlier this week, we're kind of doing... uh, you know, we're in this off season, even though the NFL season, we still got the one big game and annoying thing all of itself that nobody could use a trademark name Super Bowl to promote the Super Bowl unless they're paying the big bucks to advertise up to seven million in dollars for a 30 second spot. So I hear so uh, I just there's been a lot of news just since Monday since I was on with uh, Zach Flash Celedonia and we'll probably be on again. At some point next week, we had the NFL honors that dropped. We have the Hall of Fame class that was announced, which I don't have a whole lot. I could probably just jump into the Hall of Fame class real quick. I don't have a whole lot to say about the uh, Hall of Fame class other than Reggie Wayne, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts. Great wide receiver, don't get me wrong. But if Reggie Wayne gets his foot in the door in Canton and gets one of those busts, Heinz Ward has to be a shoe-in to make it. So I've been monitoring specifically Reggie Wayne's trajectory when it comes to uh, Hall of Fame honors, accolades, awards, etc. for quite some time. Everyone else that got into that class, I know there were some uh, snubs there, like Antonio Gates, for example. Tight ends just don't get love like a lot of other positions. And there's already chatter about the, the large class that's coming in next year and you know, where some of these guys fit in, where they're going to have to wait, et cetera, et cetera. But Dwight Freeney, Julius Peppers, uh, Audrey Johnson, I believe the first Texan, uh, Houston Texan, that, that will be, well, they really don't go in as a player. This isn't like other sports, but you get the sentiment. It's the first player that's played for the Houston Texans to get in to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So congratulations to all of those guys. Uh, there's some other Steelers news, some new hires to the coaching staff that I will also cover. And then we're going to jump into this NFL honors. And of course, the headline here with TJ Watt being snubbed for defensive player of the year. And I've got a lot to say about that, but let me jump in real quick with the Pittsburgh Steelers and, uh, quite a bit of news that's coming over from that direction. So. Uh, reported just uh, on the same day, I believe, yes, uh, on Thursday. The Pittsburgh Steelers expected, not formally announced just yet, kind of holding off just like when we were talking about Arthur Smith becoming the offensive coordinator, but the Steelers are adding some extra oomph in their passing game. This is a passing game position, passing game coordinator. Tom Arth, formerly an assistant with... Um, Brandon Staley over with the Los Angeles Chargers, um, former quarterback that was a backup to Peyton Manning and a head coach in the college ranks. He's going to come in and work with the Steelers. They've not had a passing game coordinator. I don't think ever. And somebody could correct me if I'm wrong, but not ever. I mean, this is a team that went without a quarterback's coach in 2019 entirely, just rolling with just an offensive coordinator, um, and Randy Fickner being promoted from that spot. So Tom Arth, an interesting hire. Just like, you know, with Arthur Smith, the Steelers, they're getting experienced guys. But Tom uh, Tom Arth, same age as B, 
Uh, I'm 42, by the way. I, I don't have to hide it out there. You know, I know some people get sensitive, ageist, whatever. Brian's older than me. Zach's younger than me. So I've had the pleasure, at least, you know, for most of my lifetime, the Steelers have not had a losing season. But I've had the pleasure at least grow up at the, you know, the kickoff of the Bill Cower era back there in 92 as a youth and grow up with that. I did miss the 70s, but Brian caught that. And then, of course, Zach. So we almost have like three generations, just like with the Steelers, three head coaches when it comes to our main hosts here at the Steel City Underground podcast. By the way, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. I hope you enjoy. Oh, I, I don't like to be a broken record too much on the same topic. So when I was with Zach last week, I there were certain... um topics i should say on monday certain stats certain things that i just wanted his opinion because i had already spoke on those so i know some people dropped in the comments they're like oh well you didn't mention this or you didn't mention this it's like oh it could be a two hour long show i don't know nobody got time for that so i appreciate you wherever you are watching listening thank you for tuning in uh and by all means go back in some of our archives some of our shows there's a lot of information out there that is not dated so age-wise uh, you know, the Steelers aren't going for guys that are just 60, 70 years old. Arthur Smith himself, 41 years of age. You've got uh, Tom Arth here. Uh, he's been around the league. He was a player with the Indianapolis Colts. He actually played in NFL Europe in Europa and also with the Green Bay Packers practice squad, blah, 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 in uh, arena leagues. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. He's a Cleveland guy. So he's uh, got his feet wet in the coaching ranks with John Carroll, a Division Three school up in the Cleveland suburbs. If uh, some of you that are familiar that have to deal with the Northeast Ohio stuff, having grown up in Youngstown, Ohio, born and raised myself, uh, I have a lot of familiarity with that area. And there's always that, you know, clashing between. I got the sign back here. You can't really see it on either view, but it's the house divided Browns and Steelers. And I'm going to have a lot to say about that when we get to the NFL honors. Uh, head coach for John Carroll for several years. Moved up to Chattanooga, University of Akron, back into Northeast Ohio. Became the passing game specialist the last two uh, years with the Los Angeles Chargers. Depending on where you're looking or hearing this news, some people are saying that he's going to be the quarterback's coach. There are some folks out there uh, that are claiming that he will be, uh, that, that he's hired as the passing game coordinator. Mike Sullivan being reported also uh, by Aaron Wilson uh, over uh, who's Aaron working for these days. Um, previously worked for Houston Chronicle, Baltimore Sun. So he covers the NF uh, covers the NFL in general. Pretty reputable account, I would say. But he's also reported that Mike Sullivan is going to be retained on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, staff and he's also reporting that they're going to keep him in the role of quarterbacks coach after contemplating shifting job responsibilities he had a shift in responsibilities as many of you already know working with eddie faulkner as kind of uh tandem to replace matt canada at the offensive coordinator position mike sullivan has been an offensive coordinator in the nfl and otherwise uh over the years so uh this is again i said mike tomlin would probably have been like um you know Burnt at the stake like a witch if he would have made an internal hire with Mike Sullivan. But I, I like Mike Sullivan, and Mike Sullivan has been getting some sniffs around the league as well uh, for open positions uh, at the offensive coordinator position. But keeping him around, I think, is just it's just a boon for this coaching staff. Adding Arthur Smith, who's a former head coach, and now 
uh, Tom Arth. And he, Tom Arth isn't the only hire, but Tom Arth also only 42 years of age, the same age as me. Uh, it's kind of humbling. You know, the guy's been in football at a pro or at least collegiate level at some level over the last 20 years and gotten to work with a variety of different uh, coaches and players. You look at some of the staffs and stuff that some of these guys are on. It's kind of interesting how there is like, you know, this crossover, this whole um, it's a small world kind of deal. Uh, Zach Azzini is also the other hire that the Pittsburgh Steelers made after we were talking on Monday where we're looking at the, you know, the, the, the coaching staff chart with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And right at the end of the show, we found out the Frisbee Jackson was being let go as the wide receivers coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've already made a move. Jerry Dulac <clears throat> over from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reporting uh, Azini was with the New York Jets uh, last year as an assistant. He also reported that uh, the former uh, Chargers assistant Tom Arth coming in, but he's saying as co quarterback coach, they're still in discussion for some arrangement of former quarterback coach Mike Sullivan. So, oh, this is getting hammered out. There's not official press releases uh, for the additional hires or, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> still dealing with it, folks. I'm sorry. I apologize. Still no official press release for uh, any of this at this time, but expect these announcements here in the near future, and then we'll get official word on where everyone's going to be situated. Azini himself, if you take a look at his history, he's under 50 years of age as well, age 47. He's been around mostly college football, although he entered the pro ranks in 2017 with the Chicago Bears previously uh, for the previous six, uh, 16, 17 years, bouncing around all over college football, namely uh, Division One programs as um, uh, in various offensive roles, namely as wide receivers coach, also uh, offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator with different programs in the pros, though, working with wide receivers exclusively 2017 with the Chicago Bears. No one of note to really mention there. And if you know anything about 2017 Chicago Bears, that is a young Mitchell Trubisky coming in for his rookie season in the National Football League. So not a surprise there. Uh, had a longer stint with the Denver Broncos between 2018 and 2022, where the quarterbacks... <sighs> Man, the quarterbacks are just so bad that he that he's dealt with, with and the wide receivers still uh, some production. He had got a thousand yard season out of Cam uh, Sutton, or uh, I'm sorry, Cortland Sutton, brain fart. Cam Sutton, of course, formerly of the Steelers, a cornerback. Wide receivers is the name of the game here, and Cortland Sutton, a thousand yard, uh, actually eleven hundred yards plus season back in 2019 some of the other notable names he's worked with Emmanuel Sanders Demarius Thomas Tim Patrick Jerry Judy so he's capable of coaching up these young men at the wide receiver position despite having quarterback play such as Joe Flacco that's a name we'll hear again shortly Drew Locke Brandon Allen uh I believe Trevor Simeon's kind of in here somewhere as well Case Keenum is and who else? Jeff Driscoll, Brett Ripien. Oh, man, the COVID season. Kendall Hinton, when all three quarterbacks were sent to the sideline for uh, violating COVID protocol and really left the Broncos out the dry. I mean, that was terrible. Also, Teddy Bridgewater in that conversation as well. So it's um, it's been it's an interesting tenure. It's also, you know, just talking about that. 
makes you kind of freak out as a Steelers fan if they don't get this quarterback thing right. How many more times can you just keep recycling and moving along and yada, yada, yada? It ends up being tough. So, And he also worked with Russell Wilson for a year. Uh, Russell's first year, the Nathaniel Hackett season, that was not so great uh, over with the Denver Broncos. So I know that doesn't sound like the most promising thing, but you can't you can't hang a, a, a full record for one position coach like on, you know, on them with the rest of that team that's there. It's just to show the receivers that were there are all tremendous receivers. And let's see what Azini is capable of doing here. It definitely needed a change, um, a, a fresh face here after with the Matt Canada go route, go route, like no variety, no nothing. And we're also seeing some guys that seem like they kind of quit on routes, et cetera. Steelers have had uh, since the passing of Daryl Drake, uh, I know they had uh, Ray Sherman in there as an interim uh, kind of coach helping out with receivers. He was there during training camp just to kind of, I don't know, you know, the old guys that come around, they're still, they're giving back to the game. They've made a lot of money. They like to be around the atmosphere, but maybe not want to do this, you know, 80 to 100 hours a week grind that is being a coach in the National Football League. But since that, you know, the Steelers were a wide receiver factory and they still have an eye, at least for scouting wide receiver talent. But I think we could all agree it could be a level better. We we see the greatness that could come from George Pickens and even Deontay Johnson for that matter. Don't laugh. Kelvin Austin, Speedy. So I, I like bringing in a new face, young face, uh, somebody that's going to hopefully put this whole wide receivers group over the top. Now, let's get to the NFL honors. Maybe I should start with the positives first and maybe not the negatives. Uh, this is really tough for me. I'm going to wait. Hold it, Joe. Just, I, I know, it seems like I'm maybe not as mad as I really am. I was seething yesterday, and I knew this crap was going to happen. I'm going to try not to cuss while I'm on the show. Let's talk about some of the awards. AP Most Valuable Player. Presented by Avisaline. <laughs> Everything's presented by somebody, right? Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens. I don't think there was any question that Lamar Jackson was going to uh, get this award. Comes back two seasons where he didn't finish due to injury. I do have my questions, though. It's not Lamar's best or even second best year as far as throwing the football. At touchdown-wise, limited most of his turnovers. 24 touchdowns, wins an MVP award. Not even 4,000 yards passing, 36-78. Somewhere, they're not in a grave yet, but they'd be rolling in it if they were. Guys like... Steve Young, Joe Montana. Um, I might be blowing smoke with Montana, but you get it. The the gunslingers, Warren Moon. <laughs> um, I mean, just recently, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, they, uh, MVP. Aaron Rodgers, when he was on his game, not getting 4,000 yards. And Marinos of the world. I mean, Lamar Jackson, I mean, obviously brings a lot of other stuff to the table, right? Uh, running the football, he had 821 yards, five touchdowns. But that's not even his best season doing that. He's went over 1,000 yards twice. The second and third years in the league. He played an additional game. So it's kind of interesting that I was kind of wondering with some of the numbers, I'm like, could somebody like Dak Prescott 
have been named. And and mind you, these awards get voted for before the uh when the regular season's concluded. So the playoffs are not a consideration here. If you want to call them a flop in the playoffs, I'll have similar comments to make about some other players. Dak Prescott threw 36 touchdowns and 4,516 yards and only nine interceptions. Completed almost 70% of his passes and led the Cowboys to a 12 and 5 record. 36 touchdowns. Now, we're talking about Lamar. He ran for five touchdowns, threw for 24. It counted for just 29 total touchdowns. Dak ran the ball some too, 242 yards. I know it's not eight something, not leading the team in rushing as Lamar Jackson did, and just two touchdowns on the ground. But that was just one case in point. Dak Prescott, I thought, was a pretty healthy contender for this crown. Alas, I'm not arguing that Lamar Jackson doesn't deserve it. Lamar, very much so a dynamic player. Uh, still not somebody I thought was a fit for the Steelers, as much as people want to say. He would have sat the bench for several years and may not even still been on the roster with aging Ben Roethlisberger, who the Steelers stuck with. That's a conversation for a whole another day. I don't like the that people say the team's passed. They didn't want to trade. They went after Deshaun Watson, of course. Low-hanging fruit. They knew Deshaun Watson was available. They were going to be able to get Deshaun Watson for whatever. And then Cleveland goes, and they had to make this really high over-the-top bid where you're at auction, and nobody else is like, yeah, that's crazy. Go ahead. You could take it. Well, Lamar was a guy that had two serious injuries they had to come back from and is very much so known more for running when you have a knee injury and you got to come back and you're demanding like max contract, uh, I know that's not like a real thing, but you get what I'm saying. Max contract guys that are making 40 to 50 mil average per year. Now at the quarterback position and more, we're going North of that. Now Dak set that off initially. So yeah, I mean, Jackson, I don't have the biggest problem with him. I think most people just think I'm blowing smoke because I'm a Steelers fan and that's true. <laughs> I don't like the Ravens, but I'll give Lamar his flowers. Offensive player of the year, Christian McCaffrey. How can you not? This guy scored touchdowns in how many straight games? I mean, he's pretty much the missing link that the 49ers needed for that offense. It's really tough, too. He had a pretty big contract, a second contract with the Panthers. Guy that's been injured off and on. That's pretty good bounce back for him. I'm skipping over some of these. It just says Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns. I'll give roses to one of these Cleveland Browns guys that won an award, but that'll be in a minute. The rest of them, ah, a guy that takes some issue. I take some issue. Rookie of the year, CJ Stroud. And defense, uh, offensive rookie of the year. Defensive rookie of the year, Will Anderson. Top picks in the draft. Both Houston Texans. Who could deny that? These guys had phenomenal years. You got some other um, awards that were given out aside from the Associated Press Awards, the NFL Awards themselves. And, you know, there's the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. Went to Bobby Wagner of the Seattle Seahawks. They have like Fan of the Year, Flag Players of the Year, Next Gen Moment of the Year, FedEx Air and Ground Players, Bud Light Easy to Celebrate Moment of the Year, Tommy DeVito. I guess. Big New York City market, and this guy, you know, basically living at home. <laughs> uh, hometown guy, 
got he's got the Italian name that fits in with that kind of you know just the setting the culture of New York City there it's what you think of right I think it works I think that was fun I thought you know you got Brock Purdy as the heir FedEx heir and Christian McCaffrey FedEx ground they paired them together that works McCaffrey also won the Jim Brown award for the top running back in the National Football League Dickie Jones sack leader award Goes to Miles. Oh, wait a minute. No, it doesn't go to Miles Garrett. He didn't lead the league in sacks. It went to TJ Watt. TJ Watt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. What roll? <laughs> oh, I'm going to start getting on my soapbox, but I do have to give due to some of the other Steelers that won some awards. TJ did not attend this. Uh, what do you want to say? Dog and Pony show. This farce of awards. It is nice to see Cameron Hayward get the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. He's been up for it about five or six times. And long overdue, in my opinion. Very nice to see Najee Harris get the Angry Run of the Year award, even though he's not going to take a photo with the Harry Potter stick, the scepter that Kyle Brandt gives out. That's a lot of fun, too. But... Defensive player of the year, it's rough. TJ Watt, though, Deacon Jones Award, 19 sacks. That means uh, he had 19. His runner-ups would have been Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars, not to be confused with another Josh Allen, who was tied second with Trey Hendrickson of the Cincinnati Bengals, who had a fantastic year, in my opinion. Probably should have been in that defensive player of the year conversation. It was very quiet for Trey Hendrickson. What a pickup by the Bengals. If anything... I know Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase turn that franchise around. Trey Hendrickson definitely needs to get some credit. <coughs> Excuse me. 17 and a half sacks. He's had, uh, in his time in Cincinnati, he's had almost 40 sacks in 46 starts. Twenty-five quarterback hits, 16 tackles for loss. He had three forced fumbles. You'd almost think those are MVP-type numbers. I'm not even talking about TJ Watt. This is Trey Hendrickson, another AFC North team. AFC North cleaned house on these awards, by the way. They were everywhere. So Trey Hendrickson was second in the league in sacks. Lil Mack, a little resurgence there with the Chargers at 17. Daniil Hunter, 16 and a half. Those are your top five. A lot of people are talking about these two guys as defensive players of the year. Max Crosby and Micah Parsons of the Raiders and the Cowboys. 14 and a half and also in 14 sacks, respectively. Max Crosby's been getting it done. 90 tackles, 23 tackles for loss, 31 quarterback hits, two forced fumbles. That's uh, Those are some really healthy numbers. I've already talked about Trey Hendrickson and, you know, propping up Trey Hendrickson, Max Crosby going nuts. I do believe Max Crosby. We had an interview with Max Crosby, Eric Herman, who used to be a contributor here long ago. One of the OGs here at Steel City Underground got him way back in uh, 2019. Had him in his mock draft, too. Became like a favorite. And it was like, we imagine if the Steelers would have landed him. That would have been something. 2019 NFL draft. Fourth round, 106 overall. Not quite like 12th overall. Micah Parsons. You knew Micah Parsons was going to be a dude. You just didn't know he was going to be the edge rusher dude that he is. He's got 40 and a half sacks in 50 games in three years in the NFL. 
33 quarterback hits, 18 tackles for loss. I already mentioned the 14 sacks. He had a forced fumble. A force. He gets third place in his Defensive Player of the Year award voting, by the way. There's a guy I haven't named yet. He's next on this list. Miles Garrett with 14 sacks, tied with Micah Parsons. And then falling out the top 10, Justin Matabike, 13. Montez Sweat, who's tied with Jonathan Grenard of the Houston Texans. Sweat did this with two different teams, though, which is interesting. He had 12 and a half sacks, as did Grenard. Aiden Hutchinson, 11 and a half is uh, 12th overall, if you're looking just at statistics. I won't be looking at just statistics, but let me jump over. I will for one thing. First, you got the Comeback Player of the Year award. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Comeback Player of the Year. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> um, I get it. The guy was sitting on the couch and then basically... Led the Cleveland Browns to four wins, four and one record, and probably a post and probably how they got into their postseason berth. There's no denying that. But were his numbers really? I mean, comeback? You had Demar Hamlin, who everybody thought was a shoe in for this. You remember this guy? He died on the field a year ago. Now, DeMar wasn't putting in the same kind of snaps and work that he was previously. I kind of wonder if he'll still be on the Buffalo Bills roster when you look at this a year from now. It's already been three years in the league. That's usually where you start to consider, well, if we could improve here, rookie contract, mainly special teams guy right now. Maybe a feel-good type thing. Bad PR, obviously, if you cut the guy. But Joe Flacco. Hmm. Where do I start with Joe Flacco? Where do I start with the Cleveland Browns? Joe Flacco, 1,600-plus yards passing. Just a pinch, 60.2%. Just a pinch over that 60% completion per percentage that you strive for. Didn't have it in those first two games. He had, he had four games with over 300 yards passing. Multiple touchdowns in every single game. But he also had multiple turnovers in two of those games. Browns are lucky that they even won this one. Chicago Bears. Flacco th throws three picks, gets sacked four times. The Bears had like what looked like an insurmountable lead. Sometimes the ball's got to bounce your way, right? 13 touchdowns to eight interceptions. Of course, this is all done before the conclusion of the season. So the two pick sixes and the terrible playoff game at Houston doesn't account for the comeback player of the year award. But I really thought DeMar Hamlin coming back from, you know, the afterlife and being able to play a full season of professional football might have been the feel-good story. You know, they were painting his number on the field and everything. I thought it was a shoe-in. It seemed like the politics for the NFL, this was going to be the comeback player of the year. Wish Mason Rudolph could have got a little more play, but he wouldn't have gotten the love that the NFL is giving. They're just showering the Cleveland Browns with love. They want so bad for the Browns to be relevant again that they gave two more awards out. One more than deservedly so. I will not deny that Jim Schwartz should be the AP Assistant Coach of the Year. I can't think of somebody else that I would put in the same category right now. 
You're not going to give it to somebody like, let's say, Todd Monken, for example, with the Baltimore Ravens. Just, uh, I would I would probably have looked at Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator for the Bengals, for what he did with Jake Browning, maybe. And he landed a, a you know a head coaching job, or maybe um, what Ben Johnson over there with the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator and what they were able to do this season. But I'm totally cool with Jim Schwartz, another guy that's kind of been discarded, tossed around the league. This defense loaded with guys that are making a lot of money, former first-round picks, should be good, right? Miles Garrett, a top number one overall pick in his draft class. Should be good. He made them great. They won a lot of these games because of defense. Kudos to Jim Schwartz. I wasn't sure. It really wasn't. He's been around. He's had stinkers. He could very well suck next year. But this year, Jim Schwartz, he was good. Joe Flacco, comeback player of the year. Not so sure about. Kevin Stefanski, AP coach of the year. Cleveland Browns, head coach. Why? Why is, why? I, I'm struggling with this one. Okay, 11 and 6. I mean, Stefanski's been here for a minute. This is his fourth year with the Cleveland Browns. It's the second time he's got them to the playoffs into 11 wins. He's also led an 8-9 and a 7-10 and season. And they finished in the basement the year before. But they still had seven wins. I mean, this would be like giving Zach Taylor coach of the year next year if the Bengals win 11 games. They didn't even win. Like, the Browns didn't even win their division. Got a little bit of an issue with that. I understand... Yeah, okay, they had four quarterbacks. Eh, Steelers played with three. Just shrugging. I know. The people on, if you're watching, you can see me just shrugging. Long pauses sometimes because I get long-winded on myself here. But, I, like, I don't really, I don't understand the hype. Like, oh, I don't, um. They had the fifth most passing attempts for a team that should be a running team. They were only like they had four. Or, yeah, they had the fourth most attempts too. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of that because they got the football back because of defense. They were twelfth in yards rushing. They were nineteenth in passing. I mean, defensively, they were number one in yards, thirteen in points, fifth in takeaways. They're very stout defensively for the most part number one passing defense in the national football league by yards this year that's all in jim schwartz the kevin stefanski led and he got rid of alex van pelt his offensive coordinator <laughs> scapegoat for this because they weren't very good uh in various ways i understand okay lose your quarterback starting running back okay nick chubb nick chubb's special talent I think Nick Chubb probably breaks down anyways. You can't have these workhorse backs that they're like, that's all they do. Steelers finally figured that out, adding Jalen Warren over to Najee Harris. So I think Nick Chubb probably gets hurt at some point regardless. That's why they had always had a stable of guys. They're lucky that Kareem Hunt was just sitting there collecting dust because they didn't bring him back until after the Chubb injury. Uh, Jerome Ford, decent running back as well. They had like the offensive linemen. I know they deal with some injuries. But D'Amico Ryans, you look at, like, the Houston Texans, 
Now, the Houston Texans are a case example of where people are like, oh, look, they got C.J. Stroud and they changed coaches and stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Let's hold your horses for a second. They did win their division, 10 and 7, 10 wins, just over the line. Uh, but D'Amico Ryans, first-year head coach, first time ever. I mean, Stefanski's been around for a minute already. He's been around the league for a minute, too. This Houston Texans team, some people will say, well, they got C.J. Stroud. Steelers got to get a C.J. Stroud. Yeah, Houston Texans stunk, got Deshaun Watson, didn't stink as bad. Deshaun Watson Fs up. Then they're able to trade him for oodles of picks. They just gut the rest of the team of any type of players with nominal salaries, and you've got a load of rookie contracts. It's going to be a tough team, and they still have another first-round pick from the Cleveland Browns this upcoming year. And Tobika Ryans, though, let's talk about the mediocrity that this has been. They're 4-12. and They've had Bill O'Brien. Back when they were uh, in 2020, and Bill O'Brien for the longest time. And they were like, you know, they were there. Nine wins, ten wins. They had one bad season at one point with Watson. Then Watson gets in trouble. They were able to offload him, luckily. And <clears throat> Bill O'Brien gets fired because he's also the GM. And he wasn't very good at that. If you remember, gave up what? DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of peanuts. Some other guys. Uh, David Culley. Lovey Smith. Three different coaches in three years. This team was a four-win team, a four-win team, a three-win team, and now a 10-7 and seven team. Made the playoffs and won a playoff game over the guy who won the Coach of the Year award with a rookie quarterback. My head is just like... I can tell you all the star-studded players that are on the Browns. I just did. I uh, didn't mention like Amari Cooper or Joel Batonio. You can add them to the list. Somebody name me the star-studded players of the Houston Texans besides C.J. Stroud. Go ahead. I'll give you. I'll give you ten seconds. Start thinking out loud. <clears throat> Who's on this roster? I mean, I could name Nico Collins, Tank Dell. Anybody know who these guys were? Bunch of no names, right? <clears throat> so I think D'Amico Ryan's, and it was close. Um. <clears throat> It was a close call here. This was closer than the TJ Watt voting with Miles Garrett. Stefanski had 21 first place votes, 165 total votes tied with D'Amico Ryans, but one more first place vote got Stefanski the award. Who are the dum-dums that are out there voting this over Dan Campbell of the Detroit Lions? Are the Browns and Stefanski really that much better of a uh, much more of a feel-good story or success or anything like that? Detroit Lions hadn't made the playoffs since 2016. At one point, this franchise was also an 0-16 franchise that had been going through the paces. Dan Campbell, I know, has been there a few years as well if i'm going to make the but he's had to turn this around just like Tamiko ryan's turning this around they made the trade with matt stafford it's not as high profile or as much but they've been able to do a lot with with that getting jared goff getting some extra draft picks right very similar to houston 
But this is a team that hadn't won double-digit games since 2014. It had only been in the playoffs in 2014 and 2016 since 2018. Six wins, three wins, five wins, three wins, nine wins. Missed the postseason, nine and eight. Second in their division, and then went to 12 and five. And Dan Campbell only gets 33 votes and only three first place and three second place. I don't know who these people are that are sports writers. Are they all up with the Cleveland Plain Dealer? Is that how this works? It's, this is insanity. I'm sorry. I thought Stefanski did a fine job. And some of the other folks, Mike Tomlin did get some uh, votes, by the way. He got a he got a second place, and he also got a third place. So it's weighted, you know, first place votes, you get more points. Tomlin's way down there on the list, though, behind Kyle Shanahan, John Harbaugh, Sean McVay. I don't know. I don't really get this. Sean McVay, the Rams, I guess they didn't have as bad a season as people thought. Mike Tomlin, then Shane Steichen. Steichen, I'm sorry. Matt LaFleur. Todd Bowles, Mike McDaniel, Sean McDermott, with several of those guys getting just a handful of points to all single digits after McVay. Yeah, Dan Campbell belongs a little higher up there. I'm sorry. And yes, I am biased. See the name on the hat. See the logo here. If you look around, I'm a Steelers fan, but I'm sorry. Jim Schwartz, yes. Kevin Stefanski, no way in hell. Kevin Stefanski needs to just give this trophy over to Jim Schwartz as well. It's his. It's ridiculous. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, finally. Let's talk about T.J. Watt and being snubbed for the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. This was one that I was very upset with. And we kind of all braced ourselves and knew this was coming. Because there's advanced metrics out there, made up, phony, hocus pocus, bullshit. Sorry, told you I was going to cuss at some point. From pro football focus for almost getting to the quarterback. And guess what? Their grading system doesn't match up with other similar competitors who do the same type of advanced analytics. They could really kiss my posterior on this one. So you've got... Miles Garrett getting 165 votes to TJ Watts, 140. 23 first place votes to TJ Watts, 19. And 13 second place votes to TJ's 11. Now, Micah Parsons got a boatload. He got more second place votes than Garrett or Watt in this thing. He ends up with only 89 because he had seven first place votes. Four more people thought uh, that Garrett was better and two more in second place than T.J. Watt. It's the most preposterous line of crap. Everything else I've talked about to this point, a guy dying on the field, not being comeback player of the year, it's about the only one that might not pale in comparison as far as awards go compared to T.J. Watt being snubbed. I talked about already Trey Hendrickson's numbers, Max Crosby's numbers. They're not even in this conversation. Micah Parsons was, we've seen the uh, the memes that have floated around, right? So let's bring this up. You got all the different, Watt had more tackles. People are going to say they don't play the same position. Fair. Okay, maybe Garrett isn't in position to make 
as many tackles. But if you ever see the Steelers, they don't really play a 3-4. They're just playing with defense, smaller defensive ends that are um, stunted out wide on a wider base and standing up instead of their hand in a dirt. That's the main difference. Uh, very little as far as the physical attributes of these guys. They're going to say Miles Garrett. Somebody misspelled Garrett on this too, didn't they? <laughs> that would figure when you're trying to make a point, that'll put, that'll put a damper on it already. There's two T's in Garrett. But TJ has more tackles. More solo tackles. Obviously, had more sacks. Five more sacks. Micah Parsons is in this too, as well. If you're not able to view this graphic over on our YouTube channel, fifty pressures compared to thirty-seven. I am taking some of this for um, this is coming off of a meme or graphic, but you've seen this floating around. This actually isn't BS. This one is pretty spot on. I didn't vet the numbers. I could pull them all up. I've got them in front of me. I've got plenty of other numbers for Miles Garrett, Mr. One Sack in the last six games of the regular season. Yeah, that's right. What do you do in the postseason? <laughs> Anyways, uh, those are our numbers there. I'm pull it up a little bit bigger if I can. This is um, just mainly Miles Garrett, like I said, showing as like eighth on this list. There's so many guys that have more tackles than even Daniel Hunter, TJ Watt. Yeah, so it's pretty accurate here. 36 quarterback hits according to pro football uh, reference. Josh Allen, 33 quarterback hits. So he had more. Micah Parsons had more. Garrett, Matabike, Justin Matabike, not really talked about. That guy's a dude with the Baltimore Ravens. They found somebody there. And everybody's going to say, well, it's just, it, you've got all stats and stuff, but TJ has the forced fumbles. I didn't even get into all that. Where's the rest of these at? Hold on a second. Where'd that meme go? There we go. This comparison chart. Yeah, I see the quarterback hits. Eh, a little bit. Tackles for loss. We went through those. Four forced fumbles. Fumble recoveries. TJ has interception. Okay, he's playing on the outside. But he, but he got that by sliding inside, basically playing as an inside linebacker. More pass deflections. How do you freaking play on the defensive line Get your freaking hands up, Miles Garrett. I am sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not going to apologize for these takes. Oh, dear goodness. I'm pulling up Miles Garrett. And they have like his nickname. I love the nicknames. They put him on pro football reference. Superman or Bigfoot. He's none of the above. TJ Watt is the defensive player of the year. This is absolute. Just this is insanity. And of course, TJ went out. And TJ Watt uh, ended up making a comment, basically spoiling the NFL Honor Awards about an hour before. Uh, he was on Instagram with his wife and showed that he was not attending. And there's the first comment. Oh, Jim Ricalto, formerly from Steel City Underground as well. Listening to a made-up metric when you dominated every real production category has to be highly irritating. I'd say irritating isn't uh, the word I would use for this. But TJ Watt says, nothing I'm not used to at 8.12 when the show goes on at 9 and then they're going to announce the stuff. Good for you, TJ. Screw them. This is absolutely ridiculous. There's not enough being talked about with this. I've got an article that's going to be coming out next week because I'm fed up. I'm fed up to the point where people still carry water for Miles Garrett here, even though you put the numbers. You're going to talk about like, oh, Miles Garrett makes everybody better on his TV. Get the hell out of here. Who else? Let me talk about the Cleveland Browns and their defense. Where where were they this year? Uh, like I, I, we talked about pass defense. 
Grant Delpit ended up being a, a good safety. He's finally kind of panned out after not getting uh, having injuries and setbacks in his career and finally getting to play. Denzel Ward, we know he's been paid. He's paid like a top corner. Greg Newsom, top first round draft pick. But well, son is defense that was over the line. Is there anybody else that had double digit sacks? It's Darius Smith. He's the counterpart here on the other end. Five and a half sacks. Got the quarterback maybe 20 times. You're going to say, ah, that might be, might be big. But the rest is like Delvin Tomlinson. <coughs> There's nobody on here, really. Alex Wright's the next one with five sacks. Aronquo, four and a half. I'm sorry. Like, where, where's the elevation? Where's the elevation in play here? We know if TJ's not on the field, what happens with the Steelers, right? They're like one and 11. Alex Highsmith had seven sacks, and it goes to Marcus Golden with four. Nick Herbig had three as well. The outside linebackers killed it for the Steelers this year. That's a TJ Watt factor. I know Cam Hayward only had two sacks this year. He only played 11 games. Father Time might be finally catching up with him. The Miles Garrett for Defensive Player of the Year. I think there could have been some others that were in this conversation. But people carrying water, even in Pittsburgh, Mark Caboli of The Athletic. Let's not act like Miles Garrett didn't deserve the award, too. I prefer Watt. But I do watch him every day and see what he does, what he deals with, how he makes teammates better. But surely Garrett does that, too. You have to look at tangibles, stats, 111 when he's out. I'm not really sure what Mark's trying to say here. Maybe he's defending this. Says Garrett doesn't deserve, uh, does not act like he didn't deserve it. I'm going to say maybe if there's a universe where TJ Watt isn't also playing high level football, maybe Mark, but you also had some clown out here. Yo, Lolly does some work with the Steelers, Steelers Nation Radio. And one of the voters, the AP Awards, voted for Dexter Lawrence. 54 tackles, four and a half sacks this season. Three of those came in two games against Washington. Now, people are dragging Lolly because Dexter Lawrence is a two-time All-Pro nose tackle of the New York Giants, in case you had to look that up. He's also a former first-round pick. So he's a guy that came in the league with some pedigree. And he's not putting up... He's not Aaron Donald, generational elite talent. Miles Garrett's close to that, but he's I think he's underneath like the Aaron Donalds. It's like... Cam Hayward is like not Aaron Donald, right? That's where I put Miles Garrett too. You got TJ Watt, then Miles Garrett. You have Aaron Donald. You have Cam Hayward. I know the people are gonna think I'm crazy. Uh, not this year's Cam Hayward. Obviously injured. He said he had tore the groin right off the bone. That was a quote post post game right after Buffalo uh, playoff game loss. That's insane if he played with that kind of injury. But somebody voted for Dexter Lawrence. It just. Who gets to vote for these things? Obviously, it's people that are just going to pay attention to pro football focus and made up pass rush win rate stuff. But this, that's not the only thing I want to talk about. The, the thing that people don't talk about with Miles Garrett, I had this into my profile, Joe underscore Kuzma. Miles Garrett disappears in the second half and late portions of the season. I didn't do this over eight games. I'm going to, but I did it like fairly over, um, over the course of just the last four games of 
any season that TJ Watt and Miles Garrett both played, right? Because Garrett got suspended after honking Mason Rudolph over the head with a helmet. So the season ended a little early there. But those numbers actually, all boats uh, rise with the tide. That's what happened because he had better numbers. Otherwise, these numbers are going to be worse and they're very telling. But the number one thing to say to point out is before that, they didn't even count the postseason game. Miles Garrett did not have a sack in five of his last six games of the regular season. Browns were four and two in those games. Does he make everyone better in those games necessarily? Is that what we're trying to argue? His sack came in a 37 to 20 win over the New York Jets. The New York Jets, who were playing Trevor Simeon at quarterback. Trevor Simeon, who was like the fourth guy to take a get, get a start for the Jets last year. They had Tim Boyle out there. They had Zach Wilson. After Aaron Rodgers went down, they were trying just about anything. It was only it was his second start, really his third game of action. And he only got he got sacked twice. Trevor Simeon. Hmm. Hmm. Garrett got to him. That's that's one sack in six games. And now, if you count the playoff game against Houston, a goose egg. That's seven games in the season. One sack when your team is already up 27 to 7 and the other team is forced into an obvious passing situation. Because they got to come back. They're down three scores. Who wouldn't know that you just got to go after the quarterback? Hello, ding dong. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Gonna make myself cough some more. The perfect picture of TJ just kind of like whapping on, on his own head. I mean, let's get into this real quick. I don't want to be too much more long winded. I was gonna talk about like the games where I was gonna get like really get into like, you know, Miles Garrett had three and a half sacks in a game, right? Um, those were against the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans were playing um, uh, Ryan Tannehill at that point. It was 13 to 25 for 104 yards. He got sacked five times. It was such a, such a bad game. Uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh, they just said uh, the Titans couldn't do squad do against that team. He had two sacks also in a win over the uh, Steelers. I mean, um, we all know that was with Kenny Pickett. Got sacked three times in that game. Very similar, 15 to 28, 106 yards. Just awful game. The only game the Steelers lost in their division. So, got a couple of sacks. Get some maybe mobile quarterbacks. Didn't get any sacks against the Steelers. Uh, any other contest in September. Did not get any sacks against the 49ers. Broncos, Rams, Jaguars, Bears. Texans first time around without CJ Stroud did not play against the Bengals in the finale. And then with CJ Stroud didn't get to anybody either. Okay. In fairness, who'd TJ get to? All right. 
DJ had three sacks against the 49ers. They're playing in the Super Bowl. First game of the season. Two against the Raiders, Jimmy G. Two against the Ravens. Two against the Bengals. Two against the Colts, Ravens. Which games did TJ not have a sack in? Just four. Also Houston, surprisingly. Also the Rams. Okay, so we got two commons there. Patriots and the Seahawks. Okay. They at least had a half sack in some of the other ones. So when we... One sack in seven games. I just can't get past the fact that Miles Garrett had one sack in the last seven games this season, including the playoffs, and it was against Trevor Simeon and the New York Jets. And they were already up three scores when it happened. But that equates to what? 22 first place, 23 first place votes. Go find this pin to my Joe underscore Kuzma Twitter. I'm begging for uh follows right now last four games played in each season since being drafted in 2017 that would be 28 total games to compare tj watt and miles garrett let's freaking go you already saw this <clears throat> if you're watching 25 and a half sacks for tj watt 25 and a half to 12 and a half almost over double the amount garrett has 16 of 28 games without a sack TJ has half of that, only eight of 28 without a sack in that period. Just to put a little more icing on the cake with this too, like I said, these 28 games do not include inactivity due to injuries, suspensions, sitting out as Garrett did against the Bengals at the end of the year. Those do not count. These are games last four played in each season, 28 games apiece. About as fair comparison as I can make. Because TJ sat in one of these too, right? Garrett had 1,523 snaps to TJ's 1,464. So he played more plays as a defensive end that is not going into coverage. 59 more snaps. 59 more snaps is almost a full freaking game. A full game's worth of repetitions for Miles Garrett to have half as many sacks because he disappears at the end of the year. The quarterback hit category, it's more lopsided. TJ Watt has 54 to Miles Garrett's 38. TJ has five games without getting to the quarterback at all. If we're going to use advanced almost metrics, Garrett has eight of those 28 where he had not touched or sniffed the quarterback. 54 is a bigger number, folks. Force fumble stats are a no contest. Watt has 10 of those. Garrett has the one. I'm hoping, actually, I'm going to look back at that and make sure I've got that one right. That could have been, I look at fumble recoveries. Oh, yeah, that's over the last four games. I'm sorry. So, that is correct, because Garrett had four in the entire season. But over the last four games, nope. Sorry. And these are, you know... Let me ask something. Do NFL teams give out large contracts for almost getting to the quarterback? If a guy leads the league in sacks and is a free agent, let's see. Justin Matabike, I believe, is going to be an un unrestricted free agent for the Baltimore Ravens the same way Matt Judon was several years ago. We could use Judon as a prime example, double-digit sack guy. Gets paid by the New England Patriots. The Patriots pay him because he almost gets to the quarterback. They doesn't punch the ball loose. He isn't a game wrecker, the forced turnovers. He doesn't bat down passes at the line of the scrimmage. Executives in the NFL 
general managers are not, they might look at some analytics, but they're not handing a guy a fat bag like this. Now, that's not to say that Miles Garrett shouldn't be one of the highest paid players in the NFL. I'm still saying Miles Garrett is a very good football player. Please do not mistake that. This is in the context of who had the best season in 2023 and who has been the best player overall since entering the league at the same time. And TJ Watt has forced 10 fumbles to one, one single last four games of each season. These games count. It's December football. Somebody's got to make the postseason. The other teams are not just laying down and playing dead. Everybody is contending. They're competing. They're playing within their own division even where it is just dog eat dog between the Bengals, the Ravens, Browns, and Steelers. And this guy has one forced fumble. One. Yeah. yeah. Not to be outdone in any category. Watt also leads in tackles for loss, 28 to 22. Pass deflections, 12 to 3. Fumble recoveries, he's got two of those to zero. And Miles also has no interceptions to which TJ has one. I don't expect either one of those guys to be picking off passes, but here you go. That's what you have. 59 more snaps in 28 games played, last four of that, of the, of any season. And TJ Watt is a, overwhelming unanimous game wrecker compared miles garrett you could change the name on the back of the jersey and nobody would know who this dude is when the games really matter and he wins nfl defensive player of the year last let's see what do we got garrett for your last four games of the year this year Miles Garrett has nine solo tackles, five tackles for loss, seven quarterback hits, and a single sack because we already referenced that with Trevor Simeon. How many more times am I going to say it? So I'm blue in the face. Actually, <coughs> let me see. Make sure I got that right. TJ's stuff is backwards. I don't know why they sort this this way. So TJ's stats over those four games let's see quarterback hit category tj leads that with nine they're tied for the same amount of tackles for loss tj has more solo tackles he forced a fumble miles garrett didn't do that over those last four games and what do you think might be the most important stat? Everybody's like, oh, well, you're just you're just looking at stats sacks weren't even a statistic until 1982 why did they become a statistic in 1982? Because they freaking matter. They count. Taking down the quarterback for negative yards, strip sacks. These are things that change games. Field position. His biggest turnovers. TJ Watt has five sacks in those last four games of the 2023 season. And he didn't even finish the game against the Baltimore Ravens. Leads the league in sacks. Leads the league. There was another uh, stat that he was leading in. Passes defense or something like that. Trying to think. It was Michael Birch, who's one of these uh, stats guys uh, with the, that covers the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to find that because I have to find that. That is now my responsibility to make sure I find this statistic before I let all yins off the hook here. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe.
Leave a rating or review wherever you may be. I've got to find... Got this one statistic. Oh, well, there's always good company, too. Julius Peppers just announced as a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Only player in league history with at least 100 sacks, 10 interceptions, 17 seasons. And TJ Watt is Michael Birch. According to TJ Watt's already like, <laughs> he's almost there. 96 and a half sacks and seven interceptions. He almost has 100. He gets 10. And he only has seven seasons, 10 fewer played. <laughs> then Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers is all time great. I gotta take it away from him. Uh oh. He got rid of it. Actually, he was retweeting Daniel Valente. That's guy Daniel. If Miles Garrett wins the defensive player of the year over Watt, it'd be the first time since 2011 an edge rusher leads the NFL in sacks and loses the award to another edge rusher who recorded five fewer sacks than he did. So Jared, Jared Allen and Terrell Suggs was the other one in 2011. Not just the sacks, it's the game-changing plays. But uh, Watts, the first player in NFL history, to record 19, over 19 sacks and eight passes defense in the same season and not win the Defensive Player of the Year award. Absolutely ridiculous. I know that people will say what they say. E.J. Watt wins the Deacon Jones Award. For a third time, he's the first player in NFL history to do that. <laughs> I like this comment. This is actually a very good point when you're talking about different positions. Dustin D. Webb. I got caught in my own thing here. That's my thing with Garrett. If you want a 4-3 edge, it's him. But that the fact that his win rate is so high, it doesn't translate the stats, just means he's easy to eliminate schematically. Advanced metrics ignore that or just hypothetical thinking. Yeah. Exactly. There's some other metrics there as far as passing and everything else, but I don't need to belabor everybody. You're going to have your favorite. You're going to have your bias. Obviously, I'm a TJ Watt guy. I believe he was robbed yet again, and it's just because his brother JJ has won the award several times. TJ's got... They done, I, I, I think that... The league messed up here. A healthy TJ Watt, a guy that's now going to recover from whatever undisclosed injury that kept him out of the Buffalo game for the most part. We don't know how serious that is or if he's had anything else done to rehab. But he is going to come back with a vengeance. You would think that this speaks volumes right here, right? That leave no doubt. And yet somehow he still didn't get the award. What do you think he's going to do next year? He's coming for stray hands in his own tied record. He's coming for it. I'm going to feel very sorry for opposing quarterbacks. And let's not forget, too, that the Steelers finishing third in this division. They did make the playoffs. But they'll have a third-place schedule as opposed to Ravens having a first-place schedule and the Browns having a second-place schedule in terms of those other games to fill in on there. Folks, my name is Joe Kuzma. Thank you for tuning in to the Steel City Underground podcast. Till next time, we encourage everyone out there to be safe, be good. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll catch you on the flip side next week. 
We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com.